1: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's
0: chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No
1: purchase necessary. VGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify. Yes, guys, welcome back to episode 27 of the Canon podcast today the all oh, the trio is here,
2: George and Alex have joined me and we are talking about Arsenal during this international break from Kaio Saka to signings that Arsenal need to make any tactical changes that could make Arsenal unstoppable, potentially the likes of Havertz and Jesus and Nketi discuss as well. Havertz, sorry, Alexis. Versus Eden Hazard, that will be a debate that I'm sure that will be feisty. And of course, the role of Tomiyasu as well. So my friends, let's start straight away with Bakayo Saka. Now he's been pulled out of the England squad officially. And Arsenal had a bit of a surprise tactic here. They uh, seemed to tell England that he was fit or tell the entire world that he was fit. He arrived with the Arsenal team in his full tracksuit. Everyone thought he'd be available. Everyone's lineup had Saka in it. And then out of nowhere, he's on the team. So Alex what do you make of Arsenal's uh, little decoy in the media to use them and tell them that he's fit and then he's not fit right at the end is it? Do you think that played in Pep Guardiola's head? Do you think off during the game he's going oh my good guys <laughs> yeah, obviously new pepper pressure oh my good guys uh the, what is happening no, This is good go on No no I can't what, I can't what, I don't have any more. I don't on. have any more. I don't, <laughs> anymore. I don't anymore.
3: <laughs> Um okay so we th- this is news from that team news and ticks guy yes. right that we it was a kind of a decoy I don't buy it Sorry, I don't buy it. look I'm sure he's well connected. I'm sure. I'm sure he is, and, and evidently he is from from you know. And this the thing is, I think we have to be careful with this type of information because though what was that Arvin kazida's quote? Those who know don't speak, and those who speak don't know. You know. So I think with all this kind of you know that, that with all of these people who have contacts, and I'm sure that they do. We have to be careful and realize there's a reason certain information gets out you know either information is given you know fabrizio romano talks about it everything is an exchange you know obviously money is a massive currency in, in in itself in football but it more moreover the reason fabrizio is so connected is he knows other things that people can get in contact with him and say okay do you know about what's going on with that player and he can tell them and that's why he's useful and that's why he gets information so i don't believe in an idea where this guy is just getting all the information and he's allowed to put it out publicly without any reason so maybe that was something that was given to him for for a certain reason i don't know but moreover with that idea do i believe that arteta sent saka on an unnecessary trip for for a decoy to play with some something or to sort of to 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 appeasing i don't believe that i, I i'm i'm sure it it's probably more boring but a more likely explanation is along the lines of they thought he was okay. He went along. The England physios had a look at him and said, actually, no, don't worry about it. And he went home. I, I'm sorry. I just, I know, I know we all like conspiracy theories, but I, I, I just don't buy it.
2: Yeah. But that being said, the fact that the journalists were fed, the, the, we're talking about Sammy Mokbel here, a pretty close journalist to Arsenal, who was very spot on in the Declan Rice saga. The fact that he was fed the news that Saka has been cleared fit and then he arrives with his, his tracksuit. And it looks like he is fit, and he pulls out. That up. I buy. That's with, what I was with the thinking. The decoy
3: part, I don't personally. Yeah.
2: I, look, I think it's possible. I, I I wouldn't put it out of the realms, and I say that because Arsenal wise, and I think they'll they'll use that in terms of they realise the power of the media, the power of the fans, and more importantly, Man City would have seen that as well. The likes of the Man City players looking on Twitter, "Oh my God, Saka is fit," and then he's not fit. So I don't know. It's potential. It's it's it's, a, it's something out there. But George William Saliba is also being uh, ruled out of the France squad with a toe injury which is a bit crazy, the fact that he pocketed Erling Haaland and the fact that he's apparently been playing with an injury this whole time. So what do you make of that?
1: I think that fans have this uh, fitness craze, I'll be honest, where um, every player is in the orange to a certain degree. Um, These are elite athletes. And um, I I think it makes the story better, right? Broken foot, William Saliba pockets Erling Haaland, the robot goal machine. Like, we all love narrative. We all, as podcasters, look for these little stories. I... I just find it normal in elite sport. I think that our favorite players are more injured than we think. And I think that this idea of rest and this idea of controlling fitness is something that fans lose their minds over, but that really strong professionals have far more markers than us to decide whether or not a player is fit or not. And it's not as simple or as black as white as saying fit or not, because there's always a level of uh, orange that these, these athletes operate in, you know, Um, I, i think there was a really cool um, talk that i saw kind of on stats dna the other day about um, arsenal looking at models and looking at physical tracking data and trying to see whether or not they can predict the efficiency of a shot kind of trying to see if they can predict how likely a shot is going to go in and one of the things that they talked about with this tracking data is that you know now with modern technology they've got straps on boots that basically give you every second acceleration of these players the gps that monitors as well as um not just location but physiological stuff like heart rate and blood pressure so i am not under the illusion that somebody that's monitored every second by the club um you know is unsure about their physical fitness like i i think it's just it's it's lunacy um and i kind of just defer to the team and by the way our team is excellent I don't know if this gets the praise like Jordan Reese in terms of our injuries coming back. Have a look at Jesus. Have a look at Saliba in terms of the back injury. Have a look at our recoveries and people back. I know we as fans, we tend to panic when they're gone. But have a look at the recoveries of these people. And you'll notice that there are a lot of people that return early A, but also B, return to the same strength and to the same physicality that we've seen before. So nothing in medicine is black and white. It's not a chalk and cheese buffet that you can pick what uh, outcome you'd like to see but um, uh, in terms of the Holland and the Saliba debate I think the biggest thing is restricting him to what no shots when has that been done before Um, zero XG chances and you know I think that by Arsenal actually yeah yeah and (laughs) exactly it was only us but I think that matchup the Saliba versus Holland I think it says quite a bit about where he stands because nobody questions Erling Holland as the best striker in the world Why do people still question William Saliba as not the best centre-back in the world? And it's not just this battle for me. I think he's been providing a sample, by the way, for a very long time about why he himself makes a difference to the teams that he operates in, whether it was saint Etienne, whether it was from Marseille, whether it's from Arsenal. All teams make a marketed step up in terms of their competition, in terms of how they compete. And... A lot of it has to do with him. A lot of it has to do with his role in the team. William Saliba is not just a passenger in defense. He is the build-up orchestrator. He is what makes us tick. And I think that that battle was key, not just for the match, but I think in terms of us being able to exert control because it was a really interesting out-of-performance game from both managers that I thought oddly displayed fear, both from Mikel's side, but just as much from Pep. I thought Pep was very... Fearful of Mikel Arteta, which um surprised me. Hundred
2: percent. And I think it set up set us up very good for post international break. The likes of Saka should be rested, hopefully, as long as he's fit and available. Saliba likewise as well. I think Trossard has also pulled out of the squad with a hamstring injury. So there'll be a lot of players there. Thomas Potter is back available. Alex, Mikel Arteta's got a lot of players available to go in, use and really have a strong first team. So I want to talk to you about tactics here now. I know you're a very massive tactician, you know, the Pep Guardiola comes outside when, you, when we talk about tactics. And uh, I want to talk about any changes that you want to think, you think Mikel Arteta should make to a system in terms of improvements or evolutions or plays in certain roles that you think that can change us and make Arsenal uh, go to the next level.
3: Yeah, sort of sort of me, Pep, Johan Cruyff, you know I mean? it's sort of around around that, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? we'll do you Yeah, j- joking aside, I think... Um, I think what Arsenal have, and I've I've spoken about this a little bit, I think I might have spoken about it on the recent podcast that we did on Monday, um, was about a central access issue. Um, That's a number of things. Uh, I think another way of looking at it is uh, Martin Odegaard's numbers. His non penalty XG has gone down. His expected assists have gone down. Um, But his touches in the attacking third have gone up. uh, And his tackles and interceptions have gone up. We're playing a different type of game at the minute we're not we're not open we're not creating as many chances we're winning the ball higher but we're still struggling to get into into that central zone um as i mentioned before but i think it's, it's really important um we used to have five of the most progressive passes in the league we now have one entry at 16th that's our first entry with Declan rice in terms of progressive passing uh but we do still have uh, high numbers of progressive carries with sacro martinelli so we're accessing the final third in a, in a different space I think there's a number of ways you can do that look you can start um you could you could really lean into the habits thing at nine and say okay let's let's try for a little while to 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 use raya use rise long kicking which i think he's been massively underrated um and people have expected some huge change but actually if you look at his numbers his long his long distribution still is really good some some better than edison actually if you look, if you look at the numbers um so we could try kneel into that to access that zone um we could try sticking our best progressive passes again there in terms of thomas Partey's return is probably going to help us there we could try and construct more intricate uh play and our second martinelli to try and stretch defenses a little bit more there's a number of ways you can do that i know george's favorite option would be the central running power through the carries and i think that's also one of my you know one of my pref- pref- preferable options in terms of asking or tasking a Declan rice to receive the ball and carry martin erdogan's carrying a bit more all of them are having to carry a bit more because that because the center is being blocked you know george mentioned it there go and watch especially from set pieces and especially from sort of uh when we've had the ball in the final third for a little while how compact city were teams are absolutely terrified of us having space in that cent- central area because they know that what we can do to them which is a massive compliment. And again, you can you could choose to keep trying to access those areas, those high XG areas, or you can say, actually, you know what, for this next 8, 10 games, let's not worry about that. Let's just completely commit to the wings. And then you might see those spaces in the middle open up again, and then you can carry or pass or whatever into them. So, you know, as we know, there's different ways around teams. You can go through them, round them or over them. I think the, the most fluid ways to go through them and the most fun ways to go through them, but if we have to go round or over them, I don't mind.
2: In terms of yourself, George, I know you have the tactical knowledge that maybe Alex doesn't have. No disrespect. Uh, you know he's a coach, so he's got the expertise. Let's go to that. What you do? You watch the Man City game. What did you make of that? And do you think it was something that Arsenal maybe could have changed going into the future?
1: Uh, yeah, know I did. I thought it was. Uh, it was a. It was a crazy game. I, I was telling kind of Alex off screen. Probably one of the best out of performance uh, matches that I've seen from an Arsenal perspective, but also out out of possession. Or, sorry, out of possession. Sorry. Um, that I've seen from an Arsenal side, but also in terms of Seti, I was very surprised about how scared Pep was of Mikel Arteta. Um, and, and I think that generally speaking, Jesus really stood out to me because he's a player that I, I feel like gets emotional in these matches. And I understand why there was a serious history with Manchester City and Pep Guardiola. But for once, I felt that he did a very selfless role in the team and he's always somebody that runs for the team, but I think that um, he stuck to his job extremely well, something that I didn't expect him to. I thought he would cheat, maybe go a little bit higher, but the narrow aspect in which we kind of condensed the center of the pitch to kind of block that Bernardo um, and uh, Kovacic pivot to really exploit uh, was perfect. It it nullified City. They didn't know what to do from a progressive standpoint, and, and I think that... Arteta and you know Arsenal have been very good out of possession, but we've done it very differently to last season. Last season was a lot more aggressive man-to-man pressing. And I find that this season, we're adopting more of a, a hybrid approach. So there there is man-to-man triggers. But really, the only time that we actually pressed has been Spurs in the first 30 minutes. That has been the only time that we've gone true man-to-man, suffocate the press. And that's something that we did quite a bit last season. So for as much as the central running power, I don't want to overlap topics here. Maybe I'll talk about the press in terms of the tactical changes because that's been equally as different as kind of our in possession qualities. So for as much as we're accessing wide areas of the pitch a lot more this season, we're not accessing the center, which was a joy last season, which was something that we really had a lot of strength in. The press is something that we're doing a little bit differently this year where it is a lot more zonal. It is a lot more picking your moments Instead of um, almost going to this one um, v one kamikaze esque um, almost Jurgen Klopp press, and you know I think uh, when you look at it, um, Liverpool's assistant is something that you know Mikel has tried to poach in the past, by the way. So like his philosophy is to go man to man in the duels, but I think he's slightly switched. He's dropped a player back. We don't see Ben White overlapping as much as we did last season, and I think that we're committing less bodies forward. Um, out of the ball, but what we're doing is we're asking maybe our best pressers to run, but we're asking the rest of the team to kind of still stay compact in a zonal um, area. And we're basically only going man-to-man ball side, as opposed to last season where we went man-to-man across the front five. And that for me is probably the most interesting tactical uh, switch. I think it's in order to keep us um, fit longer in the season, obviously going man-to-man is going to have a lot of taxing, um, fitness involved. And so I think when you're, when you're going into it, that tweak has actually been a part of the reason perhaps why we're not act accessing the center. That that could be something that I don't think people have talked about because for as much as it's fun to go through teams, there is a lot of ground and city have actually found it out and, you know, city have exploited for it in the past quite a bit in terms of breaking through the center of the pitch. Um, and that's where I think a lot of the the defensive work needs to go in uh, when you do lose the ball. And so um, in that press and in that aspect, it's something different from Arsenal. Um, I probably would like a return to the Spurs match a little bit more often than not, especially against the big teams. Um, I think this was an interesting game, but had City been more brave, I think it would have demanded a different solution. So um, I think it worked for this game. Um... But I do hope to see kind of more of a traditional man-to-man press, say even at the bridge for Chelsea returning back. I'd like to see a return to those aspects. I think you need to wait for Thomas Partey, who's so key to allowing some of this along with Declan Rice. And then you've got, you know, Bakayo Saka, Martinelli that need to come back. Like we've missed a lot of players. I don't know if people realize what we did this past weekend. We beat City without Partey, Martinelli, Saka. Could you have even remotely thought of that possibility last season, the season before? Every time that we've got a major player that's gone missing, we haven't lived up to our objectives. That's just been the facts, you know, whether it's been top four, whether it's been challenging for the title, we've lost on our objectives after having a major injury. Um, And it was just incredible for me to see um, us match up City. And of course, City had their own injuries and Rodri and Kevin De Bruyne. Um, But for this Arsenal team to draw blood and to knock out an opponent like City, something they haven't done in, what was it, seven years in the league? Um, it, it's, it's, it's significant. It isn't um, something small that we should kind of hide away from, I, and especially to do it without our talisman, without Bukayo Saka, who has gotten us out of every single hole that this team has suffered for the last three to four years. So, um, yeah, I, I think it was brilliant. It was significant. And psychologically for this team, it's going to be huge.
2: Mm-hmm. It was a massive, massive win and as you said, an example of our depth with No Saka, Martinelli, party, also still finding a way to win that game. Let's see how we can prove that in January with potential, potential signings now. And starting off with uh, a left number eight, you know, a proper Xhaka replacement, a specialist in that area. We've seen Havertz play there, maybe Rice can play there, but Alex, is there a player on the market that you look at and you go, that player would be perfect for Arsenal playing as a left number eight, whose name isn't Frankie De Jong?
3: Thanks for checking out the Canon Podcast. To hear the full episode, sign up as a YouTube member on this channel or go to patreon.com forward slash Pod.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.